Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Abigail Beeman joins me, global national Ottawa correspondent. And uh, Abigail was there, uh, actually not there, but she can't do that anymore, but she was uh, virtually present for the Prime Minister's daily presentation. Abigail, let me start, first of all, and I found this really interesting, and you, you talked about it on uh, on Global News this morning, and I'm starting with the testing the testing regimen that's been going on and is going on in this country. More than a million tests of Canadians, 972,000 not infected. What's the context here? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point uh, to discuss, just the large number of tests that come back negative. The World Health Organization has said that a good benchmark for a country is to be is to have fewer than 10% of tests come back positive. And Dr. Theresa Tam, the chief public health officer, has been talking about how Canada has uh, consistently been under that marker, that we were closer to 10% in early April, but that by early May we were as low as 4% of positive tests. More context around that is she used that example to sort of push back as reporters continue to ask questions on why we haven't met the goal of how much testing she herself had said she wanted to be done so not to throw too many numbers at you, but she uh, had, had said repeatedly that we should be at 60,000 tests a day. The latest numbers show that we're at 26,000 tests a day, so fewer than half of that. But in her answer uh, about why, you know, why we're doing well, in her words, she says that's not the only marker of the number of tests. It's also important to look at the rate of positives versus negatives, and then going back to say that Canada's actually faring pretty well in that department. So you have a lot of people, and uh, we've been hearing this, a lot of people saying it's about time that we were able to get back into our lives taking into consideration that there are sectors in our society who will have to take more uh, precautionary actions than than others uh what are what are the markers that they are setting specifically do you know what that's setting as far as opening the doors again or is that a moving target well, it really sort of is up to each province. And when the prime minister is asked about this, he stresses that there is a framework that all provinces have agreed to in terms of the things that they are looking at before they can reopen. But if you ask from province to province, the, the specifics uh, vary a, a little. And the steps that each provinces have taken, the East Coast is a good example where there are fewer, uh, fewer cases out there. They've taken steps in a different manner than, say, British Columbia, Ontario, and Quebec. Everybody's hand handling this a bit differently. You hear uh, some criticism or, to put it more mildly, concern about how Quebec is reopening, for example, when they are still so hard hit and they're the only ones talking about sending kids to school uh, very soon. So there's a lot of questions around that, but the federal framework that all the provinces have agreed to uh, looks at things like, are we going to overwhelm the healthcare system if we open our doors? Because that's been one of the most important things this, this whole time, and that's why people have been asked to stay home, so that the hospitals don't get overwhelmed. They haven't really so far, but that's something being watched. Testing is one of those elements as well. Do we have enough tests? Are we able to perform contact tracing? That's a huge question, too, and uh, something that's uh, rolling out across the country as well. And are we able to isolate people when they are sick? So it's a bit of a complicated puzzle, but it still is up to each province in terms of how they choose to open, how and when they choose to open their doors. Yeah, it's interesting because, as you say that, and uh, I understand, and I followed up on the story, that there's a framework that's been agreed to by the federal government of the provinces. But then I spoke with three premiers uh, the weekend before last, Premier Kenny, Premier Moe, and Premier Higgs, 
and each province had a different approach, and it didn't seem like they were all necessarily hand-in-glove with the federal government. So uh, we're going to see what it, what happens province to province. Ultimately, I think that's going to be the uh, what's going to take place. As you point out, Ontario with 346 cases, the lowest number since numbers began to be counted. What do you think we can expect from the Ford administration now? Well, it, you know, it's it's an in, it's interesting, and I think that what happened from the Ford administration just today, uh, on Saturday, is a very clear example of how this is such a delicate balancing act. Because you saw the Ford government come out uh, and announce uh, early this afternoon that they're going to be opening, reopening all provincial parks starting on Monday, yes. and all of them open by Friday. But the same day, just two hours apart, they also issued an announcement that they're working to. Um, that they signed an emergency order that will allow school board employees to help out in long-term care homes, retirement homes, hospitals, uh, and women's shelters. So that really gives you a a good look on how there's really two sides of this issue. On the one hand, we're starting to open up, and Ontario, as as was announced previously, today is the day uh, where, you know, hardware stores are open, garden centers are open. They're slowly easing their restrictions, but at the same time, they're still so short on staff in these uh, critical facilities that they're calling for uh, school board employees to step in. And and just for some context on that point, I was speaking with the head of the uh, uh, Secondary School Teachers Federation who who sort of clarified, because it was a bit of a vague, announcement that we're really not talking about teachers here. We're talking about custodial staff, uh, psychologists, child and youth workers, maybe even clerical workers. So people who have those sets of skills who aren't right now teaching students online. So a custodial uh, employee uh, has much less to do than a teacher at at this moment in time who's, uh, who's, uh, who's teaching online. Yeah, and uh, what we need to keep in mind throughout all of this, and it's amazing sometimes, we look back and it's really just been a matter of weeks since this all descended on us and changed the way we live. We're not going to get rid of COVID-19. It's not going to suddenly disappear off our radar. Uh, hopefully we can manage and 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 we'll be able to, uh, d- to deal with it responsibly, and I think people will, but we're not going to get rid of it. It's not going to, as I said, suddenly disappear. When it comes to Mr. Trudeau's announcements today, increases in remuneration for essential business workers, uh, this in the wake of two million jobs lost. That's in a, just a stunning number. Two million jobs lost in the month of, of, of April and extending the wage subsidy. Would you speak to that, please? Uh, yeah, so nothing new from the Prime Minister today in his address. He didn't uh, provide new details, but in terms of the uh, top-up for, for the wage subsidy top-up for frontline workers, it's sort of goes back to our first point about provinces doing things differently and it being up to each province. So Ottawa has now committed up to $3 billion to top up the salaries of essential workers. Um, the agreement is that Ottawa contributes up to $3 billion, the provinces contribute up to $1 million, so a, a uh, three-quarters, one-quarter sharing agreement. But <laughs> the details of who exactly qualifies as an essential worker will be entirely up to provinces, and that hasn't been made clear yet. So there's been a big push and a lot of questions asked as, you know, do do grocery store employees making minimum wage, do they qualify for this wage top-up? Or are we only talking about um, staff in long-term care homes who are, you know, critically preserving of this of this uh, funding as well? And the 
Prime Minister has refrained from wading into how this gets ruled out because he wants it to be up to each province. But then, of course, you'll end up with a patchwork across the country of how this money will be rolled out. The one thing that the Prime Minister has committed to on this front, and this again came from yesterday's announcement, is the wage subsidy, the 75% wage subsidy, which was supposed to be in place until June. Yesterday, the Prime Minister said they would be extending that, so longer than June, but we still have no idea uh, for how long, until when, how, all of those questions he's promised to address uh, next week. His point about the wage subsidy, which uh, is an important one, I think, was the, the reason the government set up the wage subsidy from the beginning was to ensure a smooth transition when the economy reopens so that people would still be on the payroll, they could just get right back into work. I mean, for most people, work will look completely different, but that aside from a payroll standard, it was is supposed to help ensure a smooth transition uh, back on the job. Compare that with the direct uh, Canadian Canada Emergency Response benefits up to $2,000 a month paid directly to workers. Those were two separate programs. And the Prime Minister pointing out that as the economy reopens, they expect the numbers for the CERB to drop and more people to be using the wage subsidy. You can't uh, double dip and get and get both. So that's why he is now promising to extend that wage subsidy, putting more emphasis on the wage subsidy, uh, hoping that the that the direct payout numbers would, would then shrink in this transition. You are a remarkable reporter. Oh, thank you. You really are. Keeping all that straight as you have and you explain it to us in a way that we can all understand, I, 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 that takes a special skill. And thank you. Okay, Thanks, thank Abigail. You Always much. great speaking with you. Thanks for the time today. You as well. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Abigail Beeman, Global National, Ottawa Correspondent. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.